Coming up on New York's Asset Protection Roundtable, a three pillars of protection program. It is a mailbag edition of the show. We got three great questions coming up, dealing with some different estate planning scenarios. Hopefully something we touch on today might give you something to think about as well. Plus, we'll find out where Ted has visited. We know he travels a lot. What's the most beautiful place he's visited? Plus, our legalese of the day. All coming up next on the podcast. This is New York's Asset Protection Roundtable with Ted Alatsis of Alatsis Law Firm. Our mission at Alatsis Law Firm is to assist you with the three pillars of protection, preserving your assets, providing you help, and protecting your future. Well, glad to have you on another edition of the show, Ted. Good to talk to you as always. How are you today? I'm doing great, Ben. How are you? I am doing well, and I know we got a few things to get into today, including our mailbag, but want to kick things off. I know you and the wife travel quite a bit. What's the most beautiful place you've ever visited? What, what would be the top your list? So it, it's a tough call, right? Because, you know, Greece is, is one of our favorite spots and, you know, we love, you know, lots of places that we visited in Greece, including yeah. Crete, which I think is our, our favorite. But I think my absolute top spot would have to be in Maui in Hawaii. Mm. Um, just an absolutely gorgeous, you know, scenic location, you know, beautiful weather, you know, and, uh, you know, my heart goes out to people who were devastated by the, by the fires recently. Um, we visited a few times and, uh, you know, that's probably, probably where I like to retire someday. Just, um, it's heaven on earth. So yeah, I probably would say Maui, Maui would be number one on the list. Yeah. That, uh, that wouldn't surprise me too much. Were you familiar with the area that got hit? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You get, you can't, can't really visit Maui without ever going to you know Lahaina where the uh, mm-hmm. where the fires were. So it's uh, it's probably the the most popular spot on the island, except for maybe the you know the something called the Road to Hana. Okay. Um, but um, yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've been there many times. Yeah, it was very very difficult to see that and to see the pictures contrasting with what it looked like before is is pretty remarkable. It's a place I have not visited before, but would be high on my list to, to see, especially uh, given your recommendation there, Ted, as well. But yeah, just just a beautiful area of the world. No question. All right. Well, let's uh, transition into a little of our conversation on estate planning and our legalese of the day, which we like to do uh, from time to time to get into a term that you might hear or a phrase that might be used during the estate planning process, try to clear that up a little bit for you and apply that to planning itself. Uh, today's legalese, Ted, is an LLC or limited liability company. How does this and why would you use this in estate planning? So uh, uh, essentially a limited liability company is, uh, is, is an entity. It's a form of, uh, uh, of business often, but it's, a, it's an entity in which the members of the limited liability company are shielded from, have shielded their assets from any liabilities except for those liabilities of the, the entity itself. So you would you you certainly could use a limited liability company in terms of you know trying to shield other assets in your estate plan by uh, using limited liability companies in a number of ways. The most common is in the the holding and uh, and maintaining of real property. So, you know, deed to a property, to a, you know, commercial, you know, property or a business or something like that, that certainly would be a way to shield those assets and protect those those assets and and shield the the individual shareholders from personal liability uh, for anything that um, that takes place on on behalf of the of the limited liability company. So, yeah, it's a it's a great way to protect assets. 
All right, very good. That's your legalese of the day. All right, let's get into the mailbag then. We got three great questions today to get answered by Ted again as we go through this. Remember, you always want to sit down with an attorney to truly go through your full situation to get a a very good answer for what's going on with you. But if you want to do that with Ted, you can always log on to latsislawfirm.com or call 718-233-2903. All right, Montgomery asked, I have three children. Everyone gets along great. I trust my oldest son to carry out my wishes when I die. Can I just leave everything to him and just let him handle it? Montgomery, I can't tell you how often I get questions like that. And I, I explain to them that, um, you know, while <laughs> while you may trust your oldest son, that doesn't necessarily mean that um, you should entrust him with that type of responsibility. Because at the end of the day, you know, people are often motivated by greed and money and Doing that would simply just ensure that on paper, you have basically given everything to him um, and your other children are without recourse to getting their share. So you certainly would not want to do that. And I think you want to put your son in that position. I don't think you want to put your other two children in that position. So certainly, you know, you, you definitely don't want to put that. Now you can make that trusted son your executor or your trustee um, and give him direction as to what you want to happen with your estate and you would do that either in a will or a trust um but certainly you know giving it all to him and then trusting that he does it without any kind of direction um is uh, is certainly the wrong approach um when it comes to protecting your other two children has anybody ever gone through with that after you've kind of explained the things that could go wrong, the potential pitfalls there? Have they ever still said, okay, I understand that, Ted, but I, I really trust this this son to do this, so let's go ahead and proceed? Not with me. <laughs> <laughs> You'll shut him down on that then, huh? Right. Fair enough. All right, Montgomery, thanks for that question. All right, um, Robert is next. He says, my wife and I, want to leave the family farm to one of our children. However, I'm afraid that we might sell it before we die. So what happens to the gift that was supposed to go to our child if the farm was already sold? Robert, it's a great question. So the best way to really answer that is, you know, what is it that your intention is even after the farm is sold? Was your intention in giving the farm to your uh, your child, was it to, you know, give them some sort of operating um, entity that gives them an income stream, you know, that sort of thing, or it was your intention to just give him the asset, right? Um, and let him or, or her do whatever it is you wanted them to do with it. If it was the former and you're really just looking to give him an in- income stream, you know, maybe you can set up some sort of, you know, trust and provide, you know, uh, that the that the child receives an income stream from that. But if the intention was to just give them the asset, then you, you could certainly revise whatever documents you've prepared, whether it's a trust or a will or you know, some other document and, you know, specify that um, this child is now going to receive the proceeds from the sale or is going to receive a specific dollar amount and be very intentional with what it is that you're you're planning on on providing for that child. If that situation happened, and I'm glad that they're asking that ahead of time, I'm sure that's what you'd prefer, right? To kind of walk through those scenarios before mm-hmm. any action was taken. But is there anything to protect that, that child, let's say, if they sold the property but never got around to updating any of their documents ahead of time, does that money from the sale of the farm automatically go to the child or does it just, they don't have any anything to pass along to them because the farm is no longer in their property? So it's really going to depend on how the documents are written, right? Okay. Because at the end of the day, if it, if it says, you know, the, the family farm is going to go to my child, 
but there is no family farm, then that will lapse uh, if it's in a will or a trust. Okay. So unless there is, you know, some other language that specifies, you know, that the proceeds from the sale or, you know, a more general bequest that says, you know, half of my estate or something like that, unless that's, you know, in the documents, then it will it will lapse and and you know that child will be um, out of luck. That makes uh, brings another question to mind. Then, <laughs> if if you were to try to put this in place, and let's say I'm just thinking, if I had a property that I wanted to do this with, do you try to encourage your clients to specify that ahead of time, even if they don't have an intention of selling the farm, just to put in there, hey, the farm or the proceeds of the farm, just to cover them, so that the event, if it does happen, you don't leave that child with nothing potentially. Right. We, we would, we would certainly, you know, try to, we would certainly counsel that the idea would be to provide some sort of language that says that in the event that the farm has been sold before, you know, we pass, then, you know, we want the child to get either a dollar amount or we want a child to get the proceeds from the sale or, you know, some other language that uh, could be easily traceable, right? Because just saying, you know, the proceeds from the sale, well, what if the sale happened 10 years ago? So it's really about, you know, how intentional you know, the, the languages in the, in the document so that, um, we could provide for that, that child. Okay. Very good. Well, thank you for that question, Robert. Do appreciate that. All right. One more here from Diane. She says, I updated my estate plan after my divorce and now I'm getting remarried, but I don't want my new husband to receive an inheritance. Do I need to update my estate plan? And am I obligated to leave something to him? Diane, that's a great question. So, in, you know, in New York, the one person that you must leave something to is your spouse. Now, um, if you do not leave something for your spouse and you're legally married at the time of your death, then your spouse is entitled to elect against whatever you've left behind everyone else for at least one third of your estate. So there are a couple of things that you can do. If your intention is to not leave him anything, then um, you can provide a prenuptial agreement. You can do a prenuptial agreement in which um, he will have waived that right to the spousal right of election, in which case you could leave your estate plan in place. Second option would be to have him sign a spousal right of election when you do your a waiver of the spousal right of election, when you do your estate plan or redo your estate plan and submit that and make that part of your estate plan. You know, th- those would be the, you know, the two, the two options that I think are most uh, realistic in doing that. Um, and then, you know, the third option would be, you know, before you get married, perhaps, you know, doing some sort of trust, you know, for the assets that you already have so that, um, you know, we'll do an, an asset protection trust, an irrevocable trust, in which case that would not be part of your estate upon your death. And so, you know, that would be another another option. Wow. Learned something new today. I had no idea that that was uh, law, that you had to leave something. And does that, does that mean I could literally just leave you a fountain pen and be done with it? Or does it have to be a significant, a certain amount of value to your spouse? It's got to yeah. be at least one third, uh, at least one third. Okay. At least one third. Yes. Yes. I never knew that. That's, that's good to know. All right. Well, great question, mm-hmm. Diana. I appreciate it. If nothing else, I learned something new today, uh, but I'm sure that's why you're asking that. But again, some options for you there. If you want to follow up though, and sit down and try to get it all sorted out, you can always do so with, uh, with Ted. Just go to latsislawfirm.com. While you're there, you'll see um, uh, option to download your free guides that Ted offers, some great resources there as well. Learn more about Ted, but also you can schedule a consultation right there from the website. So go ahead and encourage, encourage you to do that if you have any questions or want to get through any of these scenarios or whatever your specific scenario is that you have questions about, that's the best place to start. 
All right, Ted, as always, we thank you for your time, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Absolutely, bud. Talk to you soon. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.